Good morning, and welcome to the worship services of Southside Tabernacle Baptist Church. We are glad that you could join us for this exciting time of worship and praise. We invite you to join us every Sunday morning. We are located at 3647 18th Avenue South, St. Petersburg, Florida, 33711. It is our sincere prayer that our Lord will open your hearts to receive the word of God. Well, good morning to you again. It's good to to see your lovely faces this morning. Thank the Lord a little bit of chilliness didn't keep you on the, on the inside, even though you're still on the inside. Well, Lord willing, uh, next week, I hope to be back in that section, in but I did want to finish what I started last week since we only got through two points brothers and sisters there's so much going on in the world hard to keep up with everything matter of fact it's impossible to keep up with everything that's happening in the world Genesis chapter 2 Genesis I do want to say just quickly, briefly, there is a, a, hand, a financial handout for members, members only, uh, that was supposed to be in your hands last last year, at the end of last year, back in November, December. So please forgive us for getting that to you so late, but it's 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 back there on the back table, I believe. If you don't have a copy already. Genesis chapter 3. Out of respect for the word of God, would you please stand if you are able. The word of God, let us hear it together. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took up the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. 
And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy heel, and thou shalt bruise his head. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. And sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it was thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Adam also, and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins, and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Amen. Thank you for standing. Please be seated. Our Father, our Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we come with nothing in our hands we bring. Simply to your Son we cling. And Father, how we need, oh God, how we need your Spirit to come down to us. Lord, regardless of our state of mind this morning, would you, out of your abundance, out of your rich mercies, out of your rich grace, minister to us this morning. If we're downcast, raise us up. Father, if we're troubling mind, give us clarity this morning. Father, what we know, teach us what we need, give us. We're drawing nigh this morning. 
Father, you have so promised, you have so promised that when we gather, you would meet with us and commune with us from above the mercy seat. And how desperately, how desperately we need mercy this morning. How desperately we need fresh cleansing this morning. How desperately we need fresh forgiveness this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, open your word to us this morning. Open your word to us this morning. We want to hear from heaven. We want to be like Samuel this morning. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Oh, Spirit, may we hear what you have to say to your church here. Now incline our hearts heavenward. Stir us up this morning. Stir us up this morning so that we would value Jesus Christ above everything. Stir us. Oh, great God of heaven, stir us. And now, Father, those who know you this morning, fill them with great joy. Those who know you not, oh, my Father, may this be their birthday. May this be the day they are birthed into the kingdom of God. When it's all said and done, may they be able to cry, Abba, Father. Now come, bless our time this morning. Give me the tongue of the learned so that I may speak a word in season. Come to us, we pray. Hear our cry. And oh, Father, we do pray for the Patrick family. God, we pray for John Jr. and the loss of his beloved wife. Father, please hold him up this very day. Bring forth those everlasting arms and bring forth comfort to the family, we pray. Saturday is going to be a difficult day. Father, they will need help from on high. Would you minister to them? It's our prayer. Now help us and hear us. For Jesus' sake, we ask. Amen. The Lord God created man, Adam, from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Placed that man in an establishment, gave him a commandment. And gave him an assignment. That man was to guard God's establishment, keep God's commandment, and carry out God's assignment. From that man, the Lord God made a woman to be a helper that would be suitable to that man. Just clarity. Sometimes we say, the Lord has given me help meet. But in reality, that's not the biblical understanding of what God has said. God said, I will give him a help that is meet, a help that is suitable, someone that's opposite, a counterpart. It's not two words together. They are two separate words. I'm going to give to man a helper so he could do what I've called him to do. He cannot do it by himself. 
So he gave someone who was fitted to help in the task of having dominion over the works of God. What a task. In other words, together they were to represent God on earth. God took a woman from a rib. (laughs) Sometimes we miss these things. We read it and we hear stories, but it doesn't grip us. God made a woman from a rib. And I love how the old writers would say it. He took the woman from his side, not from his foot, so that he can walk all over her. He didn't take her from the head so that she can rule all over him. He took the woman from the side so she can walk along with him from under his arm so that he could protect her and from the heart so he can love her. This was the first family. The first marriage made literally from heaven. God performed the ceremony. Everything they needed, God had provided. Literally, they lacked nothing. God gives us his glorious account in chapter 1 of him creating everything. By the way, just as a footnote, chapter 1 tells us how God created everything, right? Chapter 2 just tells us how he did it. Don't confuse the two. There's a strange teaching going around to say God created a spiritual man in chapter 2, uh, chapter 1, then he created a physical man in chapter 2. No, he did it in chapter 1. He tells us how he did it in chapter 2. Just careful reading of the scriptures. We saw in our last message that God's commandment to Adam and Eve was simple, gracious, and necessary. You can have this, you cannot have this. Is that simple or what? <laughs> the yes, no. Simple. The commandment set forth the way to live, and the commandment set forth the way to die. The simplicity of the word of God is still with us. It's simple in a real sense. Here is the way to live, and here is the way to die. Before Adam and Eve were life and death in one place, the Garden of Eden. Think for a moment who put the trees there. They knew the word of God, and so, listen carefully, so did their enemy. They knew it, and so did the enemy. He focused, the enemy that is, he focused on what they could not have, not on what they already had. His tactics have not changed. Their enemy, your enemy and mine as well, their enemy came in 
and took what God said and turned it into what God never meant. Some things have not changed. Maybe I could just put it this way. Satan twisted the word of God in such a way that Adam and Eve fell for it. Maybe I can just push the envelope a little further. If you are not saturated in the word of God, if you are not gripped by the word of God, you will fall for anything. You must be tethered to this book. The old writers used to say, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. They fell for it. And you and I will fall for it as well. If we're not saturated in this book. Every one of us in this room must be careful. Must be careful not to twist the scriptures to suit our fancy. Everyone in this room must be careful. We're talking about the word of God. They rejected the commandment of God for momentary pleasure. My dad used to take us when we were younger, young, 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 take us to the fair once a, once a, once a year. The whole family would, would go. And he would always get a foot-long hot dog. That's the first time I would see foot-long hot dog. I didn't know they were that long until I went to the fair. Foot-long hot dog and cotton candy. That's what he would get. You know, puff sugar. That's all it is. But you get that cotton candy, right, and you put it in the mouth, you don't have time to chew or anything. It's gone. And I bring that up for a reason. We would rather have cotton candy pleasure, momentary, instead of the things of God. It doesn't last. It's a momentary thing. It's gone. Now, cotton candy may have been good to you, but it wasn't good for you. That's the same way sin is. It may seem good to you, but it's not good for you. It took momentary pleasure, rejected the command of God. Listen, my brothers and sisters, trying to keep myself together, they lost everything. You listening? They lost everything. They rejected what God said and lost everything. Could it be in this place, could it be in this place, a rejection of the word of God because I want to do what I want to do? Could that possibly be in this place? I've said it before, I think. I'll say it again. It's like the little Amish girl who was standing up and her mom told her to sit down and she would not sit down. Her mom grabbed her and sat her down. When she sat down, she looked at her and she folded her arms. She said, Mama, outwardly me sitteth, but inwardly me, inwardly me standeth. Could that be the case right in here this morning? Outwardly, 
Outwardly, we sit before the word of God, but inwardly, we reject it. Could that be the case? The accepted temptation changed everything for Adam and Eve. The accepted temptation. We looked at four points last time. A command rejected. A temptation accepted. A judgment inflicted. And a mercy unexpected. They rejected the command of God and accepted the temptation. I just want to be careful and clear this morning. Temptation itself is not a sin. You have to get that in your mind. Temptation itself is not a sin. Giving in to the temptation is the sin. You could be tempted all day long, or as 1 Corinthians said, there's no temptation taking you by such as common to man. I love how the author has it set up. But God is faithful, who with how many? Every temptation has a way of escape. If we gave in, it's because we wanted to. Won't be able to blame God for anything. Joseph, in my mind, so I'll just say it. Joseph, right over there in Genesis chapter 39, chapter 40. Remember, Joseph is in charge of Potiphar's house. The Lord is blessing him and everywhere and blessing Potiphar. Oh, man, I could park right here and just put an application right here. Listen, some companies could be blessed just because faithful people who serve the Lord are there. God blessed Potiphar's house, the text said, because of Joseph. Maybe that's why the country is still a little bit intact. Because there's somebody here that loved the Lord. Like what Abraham said in Genesis chapter 18, pleading with the Lord, if there are 50 men in, in Sodom, would you spare it? God is so kind. God said, if I can find 50, I'll leave it alone. <laughs> he worked his way all the way down to 10. Let me talk to you one more time. If there are 10 men there, would you spare the city? He said, if I can find 10, I'll leave it alone. Boy, that's graciousness. I can tell you that right now. The only thing about it, Abraham just like us, or we're just like Abraham, we stopped short. If he had said one, Sodom and Gomorrah may still be around. Because there were at least one that was locked. That's another story. This accepted temptation changed everything. Everything for Adam and Eve. They didn't have it like Joseph did when he was tempted. Joseph left his clothes, his coat, everything. He said, I'm getting out of Dodge. Their relationship. Listen, their relationship. I got to back up one. After giving into the tempter scheme, Adam and Eve realized that their situation had changed. Their relationship with God had changed, and their relationship with one another had changed. Things would never be the same. They found themselves naked, guilty, and ashamed. Can I just, I don't know why I'm asking you, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Just, just think for a moment. Sin brings guilt, and sin brings shame. You ever been caught red-handed? Did it feel good? 
red-handed, caught in the act. But some of us, some of us are so, so talented, if you will, you could be caught red-handed and say, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. But I saw you. No, that wasn't me. We have become Academy Award-winning actors. But look, ready now and lie. Just straight face. No, I didn't do it. Naked, guilty, and ashamed, so they sought to cover up with fig leaves. The natural thing, the natural thing to do when we are guilty and shame is to try to find a covering. But man-made concoctions won't cut it. We try to cover things up. And what, what's fascinating about trying to pull a rug over things is that it leaves bad humps. Doesn't work. But we'll do it anyhow. Earthly methods, listen, my brothers and sisters, earthly methods will not take away guilt. It cannot. The word of God has said plainly, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesses and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Proverbs 28, 13. Don't cover them. There's no prosperity in that. So when they heard the voice of God in the garden, they hid themselves. The Lord God was tender. Who was tender? toward them was now a terror to them. The one whom they commune with, now they don't even want to be around. Some things haven't changed. <laughs> I'm not, no, you going to church? No, that might be for you, brother, but I'm not. Oh, oh okay. you reading the scripture? No, 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 brother, I don't play with God. Maybe y'all haven't heard things like that. No, I don't, I, I, I don't play with God, man. I don't, I don't go to church, man. You know, hypocrites are in the church. Yeah, hypocrites are on your job too, but you go there. I'm moving on. Satan attacked, as we said last week, Satan attacked the authority of God. He said, have God said, that's what he, have God said with that question, you may not eat of every tree of the garden. And then he went on, you shall not surely die. When God said, you will surely die. He said, not so. What did he just say? God's lying. That's an attack on the character of God. God's lying. He attacked the authority of God. You don't need that book to govern your life. You don't need it. Let me, let me just ask a few questions. For your heart and mind, what will govern your life? What will shape your life? What, what, what would it be shaped by? What are you going to found it on? It will be shaped by something, and it will be built upon something. What are you going to govern your family by? We can even go a little further. What will the church and its worship service be built upon, governed by, 
and shaped by? This church, what would it be? This book or something else? That's a question that must be answered. When we get things from here and here and here and here and here, we have a hodgepodge of stuff that doesn't even look like what God commanded. That's what you end up with. It's everywhere. We are so far from the book, y'all, we don't even know we're far from it. You ask, why did you do this? I don't know. We just always oh, done it. No one's going to search the book. The book that we're supposed to be giving ourselves to, the book that we're supposed to be preaching, the God who, whom we say we love, if God so loved his church, shouldn't he dictate how it should worship? Yes. Not you, not me, God. It's his worship. But we got some good ideas. <laughs> oh, God is not interested in your good ideas. You and I are not wiser than the Most High. Hello, somebody. <laughs> Satan attacked the truthfulness of the Word of God. You cannot believe that old book. He attacked the sufficiency of the word of God. It's just not enough. We need more. Give us a little preaching. And give us something else. Like entertainment, you know. What was the mess about that? I don't know. I don't understand it for the life of me. I don't. He attacked their place of contentment granted by God. You're not content with this. You don't have to be satisfied with your station, your place in life. Wow, he's a mastermind. Verse 5, Satan gave the impression that God did not want Adam and Eve. What? That's right there. Verse 5. For God doth, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Listen, Adam and Eve, and I'm talking to you in particular, Eve. God doesn't want you to have any fun. Wow. There is so much more out there, Eve. Why would you settle for this, just this? Ah, I'm feeling all right right now. Every thought, every thought, dear people, concerning the truths of God should come from the truths of God. <laughs> Eve thought Satan counsel, listen, it's in verse 7 and verse 8. Eve thought Satan's counsel was more superior than God. Wow, wow, wow. I know what God said, but that's not enough for me. Just not enough. Yeah, I know we got the Bible, but that's just not enough. Shame on us. And starting here, when we read more about the Bible than we actually read the Bible. 
Some people love books, and that's all they want to read. This is the book we must read. I love it when books come out. It's a must read from publisher. This is the must read. No, this is the must read. He painted, Satan painted it in such a way, my brothers and sisters. Listen, he painted it in such a way where that which was wrong looked right. What a paint job. Hmm, it's not so bad after all. Amazingly, when they got it, it wasn't so good after all. I'm preaching to myself, man. <laughs> it wasn't so good. It's just like us. We want something so bad, and when we get it, it's not so good after all. I thought it was going to be more than just this. I want to really go to that famous place. Can, this is what they're talking about? <laughs> Maybe that just happened to me. I'm just, I'm so boring. Maybe that just happened. To, is this the place? That, this is what they were talking about? I'm going to say, you got to go to this restaurant. You just got to go there, man. This is the talk of the town. And a friend took me there. I didn't tell him this. I sat down. I'm going to say, this is what they're talking about, man. My wife cooked better than this. Hello, somebody. <laughs> it's bad when you go to a restaurant and then you got to eat when you leave the restaurant. Eat again. Yeah. Some things I say never changes. Some things we want, when we get them, we wish we never had them. Maybe you've never been there. You and I have to live with decisions we make. You hear me? Every decision you make, you have to live with. Well, I don't like making decisions. That's a decision. I'm going to let others make my decision for me, and I'll take their counsel, and then you'll do what? Make a decision. That's still the decision. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. The enemy will come to you about the things that God said you cannot have. And he would set it before your mind in such a way that everything looks fine until you take it. He is crafty. He is crafty. He is crafty. He is crafty. Eve had to interpret the scriptures, and so do you and I have to interpret the scriptures. Interpretation is everything. You've got to look at it in context. We've been talking about this in Wednesday study, in context. You can take something and pull it out of context. Listen, no text out of context makes sense. And if you take a text out of context, you're nothing but a con. This is the word of God. We've got to be faithful to it. Never forget what my friend said to me before he went to glory. Skin and bones cancer had eaten up his body three days before he died. He held my hand and said, Clarence, be faithful to the book. God help me to do that until I breathe my last. Satan is full of trickery. He will reinterpret the word of God in every single way. He will disrupt things with the word of God because he knows it. He knows it better than we do. 
all of a sudden, as he said things before the mind of Eve, listen, God was not so important. His word was not so important. What I wanted was important. Or maybe I should say more important. She rejected the command of God for fruit. For fruit. For a thrill right now. For a roller coaster thrill right now. Rejecting the command of God for that. That brings us to then a judgment inflicted. Picking it up in verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Listen to this. The Lord God, I said, Enter the garden during the coolness of the day and called for Adam. Adam, where are you? Where are you, Adam? Now, don't get the impression, right, that God is limited in knowledge. Please don't get that at all. It's not like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit came, and they met at a place, and the Father said to the Son, listen, you go that way. Holy Spirit, you go that way, and I'm going to go this way, and we'll meet back up here at 530. And they came back at 530. So where is, you saw him, you saw him? I don't know where he is. Where is Adam? Adam, where art thou? Don't get that picture. It's not the picture at all. Parents should know this. You ask your children sometimes questions you already know the answer to. Or maybe, maybe I'm not talking to parents. Maybe that's just happened in our household. You ask your children a question that you already know the answer to. Where were you? <laughs> oh, I say that, man, because we, uh, when, when you're young, you just look like somebody comes in and just turn off everything and say, D- just don't think. <laughs> I thought I was really intelligent. I forgot how many people my dad knew. So my dad would get called before I got to the house. Where were you? Uh, uh, I got a call from him. <laughs> oh, oh, um, <laughs> you might well tell the truth, man. But God can ask questions he know the answer to. It's your opportunity to answer the question. Adam, where are you? He knew it. Remember, he made Adam. <laughs> and he made everything else. He knew exactly where Adam was located. It's not that way, <coughs> excuse me. It is not, though, as I say, the Trinity gathered and searched all through the Garden of Eden to try to find Adam. God is not losing memory. Not. God doesn't forget anything. Anything anything. The moment he forgets, he's not God. Are you still with me? No, God is not losing anything. God is not suffering, as I said for, uh, before, from loss of memory. No, God does not have to do anything to improve his memory. He doesn't have to do like you and I may do, listen to classical music and do memorization and all of those things and concentration for relaxation. He doesn't have to do that. Here's the amazing part. Everything is already in God's mind. Everything. 
You can chew on that for a long time. You and I learn stuff. In other words, when we, when we learn to read in the few years of our life, we learn to read. From there on, you read to learn. But guess what? God isn't reading to learn anything. Everything is here. Now, that blows my mind. Everything is locked in God's mind. Everything. He knows the end from the beginning, and you and I know the now. <laughs> You and I live in the present tense. Did you know that? <laughs> we talk about the future, but when it comes, to be what? Present. That's all we live in, present. We live in the now. <clears throat> we don't live in the past. That's gone. And when yesterday was here, that was present. Tomorrow will be future. But you and I don't live in tomorrow, if you will. We are living tomorrow when we reach tomorrow, which will be present. You and I function just like this universe. You ready? One day at a time. That's how we function. All you have is a day at a time. You don't have anything else. He knows the end from the beginning. <clears throat> has it ever occurred to you that God, as I said, isn't learning any new thing? Has that ever gripped you? <laughs> He's not learning any new thing. He knows it all. He knows Adam's location, Adam's si his size, his height, everything. So Adam finally gives him an answer. Where are you, Adam? He didn't say, I'm over here. <laughs> Where are you? But he did give him an answer. He said, verse 10, and he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Did he answer God's question? No. Where were you? I heard your voice and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I love it. God responded with two penetrating questions. Look at it in your Bible. Two penetrating questions. Listen to what he said. And he said, who told you you was naked? See, God, <laughs> you, know, you know when, you, when your child has, has, has done something, maybe, maybe taking something, maybe taking a banana or something like that, and you say, who, who took that banana? I don't know, it wasn't me, but you're the only child. <laughs> so God presses Adam. He said, who told you you were naked? God knew the answer did not come from him. Who told you that? That's the first question. The second question is, have you eaten of the tree that I commanded you not to eat of? Still giving him opportunity to what? Answer and tell the truth. Parents do this with children. If you're going to do some wise parenting, you're going to ask some questions so they can cough up the answer. You give them an opportunity to answer first because you already know. Now the child don't know that. <laughs> you think, oh, folks, just, you know, slow. <laughs> Some of us are, but, you know, that's just... God... 
that fatherly figure right now is exercising fatherly wisdom because he's all wise. I'm going to give you an opportunity. Who told you were naked? Did you eat of the tree? And you would think, Adam would say, yes, I did. I know you told me not to. I did. Would you please forgive me? You would think that would, re- that would be the response after all that God has done for them. You would think that would be the response. That's how I responded. I believe my notes a little bit, and I just want to read the text. And the man said, the woman, that's a bad way to start. <laughs> that's, a bad, that's a bad way to start the answer to God's question. The woman, I was doing all right, man, I was doing all right. But you made that woman. <laughs> Look at it. I mean, it's in your Bible. I'm not making it up. Listen to what he said. He said, the man said, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. God asked if you ate of the tree, all you had to do was say yes. <laughs> oh, boy. Adam does something incredible. And God said, who told you was naked? Did you eat of the tree? Adam responded with something that has never left the human race. He stopped blame shifting. That's what he did. The same thing goes on right now to this very day. No one wants to take responsibility for anything. And I'm speaking that generally. Who was it? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I did it, but I wouldn't have done it if... if The same thing still goes on. If nothing else shows that the Bible is reliable, if nothing else shows that we are, if you were descendants of Adam, it would be that. We shift blames all the time. I didn't know anything about it. (laughs) You were responsible, but I, I didn't know anything about it. Blame shifting, my friend. He pointed the finger, listen, in two directions. Don't miss it. The woman you gave me. I'm going to blame her and I'm blaming you. Folks, still blaming God today. I was doing okay. I didn't ask for that woman. When I woke up, she was just there. Everything was fine when I said, whoa, man, everything was fine then until trouble happens. Now, guess what? Uh, that woman, right there, the one you gave me. Now, remember, you gave her to me. I asked for her. Some things just haven't changed. Watch this. Watch how this thing works. God's next thing from Adam, and he'll come back to Adam. He starts with the head. Now, why do you think he called for Adam? You know why? Because he's the man in charge. You're in charge, Adam. This happened on your watch. I put you in charge. Where were you? Why didn't you, listen, protect your wife from the enemy? Oh, man, can I talk to you for a moment? Yes, I will. You are responsible in your home, 
and your home to protect your family, to provide for your family, and to administer the word of God to your family. That's your responsibility. If you're not doing that, what in the world are you doing? Adam is to take the word of God and govern his house with that word. If we're not going to use the word of God to govern and shape our houses, what are we going to use? What are you going to use? The answer is obvious. It would be the words of the world. I'm calling for Adam. Notice he didn't come and say, Eve, where are you? No, I didn't put Eve in charge. You're in charge. What happened? Oh, I don't know about you, but it gives me goosebumps. The Lord is going to be looking for me too. Clarence, where are you? I put you in charge of that, that small army you have. How are you governing that army? Is it according to my book or is it something else? You get what I'm saying? It's, the, it's with the wives as well. You're not excluded. Remember, helpers together with the man. He's going to talk to Eve too. She doesn't get off the hook just because Adam was in charge. Eve, you're responsible as well. But Adam, it's your household. You're in charge. That's a strong word, y'all. <laughs> Man, I think sometimes we take it lightly that God, well, you know, my wife is smarter than I am. This has nothing to do with intelligence. Not whatsoever. She's better at math than I am. That has nothing to do with how bad she is with math. It has nothing to do with that. It's the fact that God has set up an order, and he put man, husband, in charge. You can't do that without your wife. I think it's crazy for a man just to just make decisions without consulting his wife. That's crazy. But some man, he man, I don't have to tell my wife anything until we had a disaster on our hands. Why do you do that? Why do you, you know, I do God has given us great helpers, and we ought to, listen, we ought to, I understand what I'm saying, is utilize the help. My number one counselor is my wife. I said, what do you think about this? What do you think? However, Adam did do a good job, my friends. Listen, this is a man, let it register, sinless. Maybe that hadn't hit you yet. This is a man who's sinless. In other words, he has no sin. All you and I know is sin. This man is sinless. God said, my word, govern your house. Have dominion over the earth. The works of my hand. I'm giving you a commandment, an assignment, an establishment. I paid for it all. Let's see how this thing keeps unfolding. After confronting Eve, <laughs> who shifted blame just like her husband. It's right here. That's what sin will do for us. It's right here in the passage. He said, I hid myself. In verse 11, uh, verse 11, there, he told you was naked. And the man in verse 12 said, the woman whom you gave me. And then God shifted. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that you've done? Watch Eve, the serpent. <laughs> Something hasn't changed. Adam said, the woman and you, God. How about you, Eve? It was the serpent. 
No one's taking the blame. No one's taking responsibility. It's not happening. We still do the same thing. And getting someone to take responsibility like, like pulling out tonsils. Getting someone to say, I was wrong, it's like they're chewing on a crow or something like that. Tell them you're wrong. No, no, no. no you're wrong. We pace up and down. We go back and forth. And guess what we do in our minds? Maybe just, just me. We think of all the ways how we could justify that we were right in what we did when we were dead wrong. And we think, okay, here's how I'm going to do it. We have such trickery with us. We call it cleverness, ingenuity, if you will. We go to the wife and say, oh, now she see a bouquet of roses on the table. Hmm, what is this about? We think that makes it up. Still ahead and said, I'm wrong. We got cleverness that we do. We try to polish things up instead of saying, no, I'm wrong. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. We come and say, I'm sorry. And I think there's a place to use sorry, my friend. But listen, when you have sinned against someone, lied against someone, sorry is not the place to use that. Sorry is just telling me how you feel. I'm not interested in how you feel. You need to say, I was wrong. Please forgive me. Now you put the ball in that person's court. That's Bible. We can go to God and say, I'm sorry. But you're just telling God how you feel. It's another thing to say, I have sin. Please forgive me. <sighs> Eve passed the buck onto the serpent. And God addressed the serpent, the tempter, and he inflicted judgment on all three. Watch this. He gets to the serpent, right? And nothing said. Did you know that? There's nobody else to blame. We've run out of all the blaming. <laughs> the serpent says absolutely nothing. God inflicts judgment. Said unto the serpent, because you have done this. Notice he didn't ask him a question. He didn't say, what have you done? Not one question, just a statement. Because, of you done, because you have done this, you are cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field. Upon your belly shall you go. Thus shall you eat all the days of your life. Some hold the perspective that serp- the snakes had legs. It may have been. It wouldn't make sense with the passage, right, if he said, you're going to be on your belly all your days. If that's the case, this was a talking snake and a walking snake. I can't even imagine that in my mind. (laughs) But however, the blame shifting takes place. And listen what happens. We end up with a cursed serpent, Satan using him, a cursed serpent, a cursed people, listen, and a cursed earth. Where did all that come from? A bite of a fruit. That's it. Everything you see around, the horror you see everywhere, came from a bite of fruit. (sighs) That which God said was very good in chapter 1 is now very bad. And it got that way very quickly. The Lord God made Adam and Eve special clothes and evicted them out of their establishment. Listen, he kicked them out of paradise. They're kicked out of paradise. Eviction, here's your eviction notice. You're out of here. 
They had it all, and they lost it all. They had God all to themselves. Listen, they had God all to themselves. They had life from the Creator. They had the law from the Creator. They had liberty from the Creator. They even had luxury from the Creator. They had it all, and they lost it all. Adam and Eve would throw away everything for temporary enjoyment. For a little satisfaction of the flesh. How about us? How about us? They were willing to risk everything for nothing. God said, the earth is cursed. He goes and says that the woman, he will greatly multiply Eve's sorrow and conception. Adam, the ground is cursed for your sake. But something else I want us to grasp in all of this. I want us to grasp this. God inflicts judgment. But in the midst of all of this is a mercy. He doesn't owe anybody anything except judgment. I hope you understand that. God doesn't owe anything except judgment. But in the midst of all of this mess, there's a mercy. There's a mercy. Some things, as I said repeatedly, and I'm saying it for a reason, some things haven't changed. It's not that history repeating itself. It's just that man hadn't changed much. Man is still acting crazy, and God is still pouring out judgment. Look around. My friends, we may say that was so small, a bite of fruit, and they are expelled from paradise. Listen, if you do not understand sin, if I do not understand sin, our sins in particular and sin in general as the greatest evil, we will never understand God as the greatest good. You won't. An unexpected mercy. I'm going to finish. An unexpected mercy, not only an inflicted judgment on all creation. Oh, yes, you have to go in that yard. If you want a nice yard, you're going to have to pull up some weeds. If you want a nice flower bed, you're going to have to do some weeding. You ever thought about that? It's right from this chapter. Thorns and thistles and everything else. Oh, yeah, it's going to be work. Hard work. Don't think for a moment that work is part of the curse. Remember, Adam had a job before the curse came. So work is not the curse. But man, as we used to say in Carolina, you're going to have to get it from the muscle. It's going to work you, son. It's going to work you. So in the midst of the judgment, God shows unexpected. Mercy. Adam and Eve weren't looking for this. They didn't even ask for it. Unexpected mercy. Look at verse 15. God said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between your seed and her seed. It or he shall crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. That's mercy right there. God said, Here's good news. That's what we call the first gospel. 
the first gospel, the name Jesus is in there, but you got to hold on to your seatbelt to find the story there. As God unfolds it from Genesis all the way to Revelation, it's a mercy right there with the seed of the woman. That is good news, a good news promise and a bad news predicament. Their situation looked pretty bleak, but then mercy showed up. Ah, how about you, my friend? At one point, your situation looked totally bleak, and mercy showed up. We can testify that God stepped in with mercy. I'll just trace, just think about the last couple of years we have been through the pandemic or pandemic, whatever you want to call it. Millions of people have been infected, but billions have been preserved. Man, maybe I'm just talking to myself in the walls. I say millions have been infected, but billions have been preserved. That's a mercy. Some have passed away, and we don't want any to pass away, but some have passed away, but not all. That's a rich mercy. Listen carefully. Some people may have escaped COVID-19, but there's a plague that no one has escaped. I need you to stay with me. There is a plague that no one has escaped except one. The plague brought in by Adam and Eve is sin, and everybody is infected with that. Sin is a plague that has death in it. Maybe I can push it a little further. Stay with me. Stay with me. It has killed more people than COVID-19. Oh, sin has affected and infected every person except one, and that's Jesus Christ. That uninfected person, uninfected person, walked in a sin-infected world among sin-infected people and stayed sin-free. Oh, You know what I'm talking about. I just told you I'm talking about the king. I am talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus would come and live in this world. Jesus would live on behalf of infected people. Jesus would be spat upon, mocked, and humiliated by infected people for infected people. He would hang on Calvary's cross because of the plague, the infection that came into the world. He would die in the place of all those infected people who believe in him to everlasting life. He would rise again the third day for those infected people. Oh, my friends, my friend, and he's coming back in glory. What? He's coming back in glory that we may be infection-free. For those who are infected, God doesn't have a vaccine. God has a cure. (laughs) He has a cure. Oh, that cure is none other than the blood of his beloved son. As I said to you, Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 sets the stage. It talks about a seed, but it doesn't tell us the name. But as we keep tracking through the Bible, we get to Genesis chapter 12, and God says to Abram, his name was Abraham, but Abram at the time, I got a seed coming. And then when we get to chapter 15, he said, I got a seed coming. And then when we get to chapter 17, he said, I got a seed coming. And then he reaffirms in chapter 18, I got a seed coming. And then we get to chapter 24, he's just from Abraham to Isaac, I got a seed coming. And then we get to chapter 20. 
46, and he said to Jacob, I got a seed coming. And then when we get to Genesis chapter 49, we move from the seed. I got a Shiloh coming, a ruler that will come out of Judah. And then he keeps building and building and building. And he gets to Leviticus chapter 16. I got a scapegoat where the sins of the people will be put on him and he would go away. And then he keeps building and building. It's like God is saying, Hold on to your seat. I'm not done. I'm giving you the story bit by bit by bit. You get to Numbers chapter 24. He said, I got a star now that's going to shine out of Judah. You get to Deuteronomy chapter 18. I got a prophet like Moses. You need to hear him. And as he starts building and building and building, Job tells us in Job chapter 19, my Redeemer's coming. God sets the story that the seed is on the way. And you can't miss it when you get to Isaiah. You get to chapter 7, you got a virgin that's going to give birth. You get to chapter 9, you got a son to be born, a child given. And then you get to 53, you got the suffering servant. When we work inside Hosea, you got a son coming out of Egypt, chapter 11. You get to Micah, chapter 5, and one's coming out of Bethlehem. Brother just read it today in Matthew. Jesus is on the way. He's on the way. It's that seed. Listen, what God said, my friend, he keeps the promise he makes. He keeps, we like to say Old Testament, promises made. New Testament, promises kept. And God keeps working out this thing for his grand glory. And we get to Zechariah chapter 13. And what do we have? A fountain that's open for sin and uncleanness. And John comes on the scene and says, guess what? The word now is made flesh dwelling among us. And as we keep working through the scriptures and working through the scriptures, Peter said, Acts chapter 4, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby, listen, we must be saved. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. God worked in these things out right from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. It looked pretty bad, but all I did was highlight to you nothing but mercy. Nothing but mercy. Oh, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. You remember what Joseph said? And we're done. We're done. I won't even say what I got to say here. You remember what Joseph said to his brothers? They said, okay, Joseph's sure going to get back at us. Get back at us. Dad's dead. He's going to get back at us. This is Genesis chapter 50. He's going to get back at us, and, and something happens. Joseph said, uh, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And he meant it for good to keep you alive. <laughs> Listen, I can see the picture before. He could see it when he was in the pit. He couldn't see it when he was in Potiphar's house. He couldn't see it when he was in the prison, but he saw it when he was in the palace. He said, I can see now why God sent me forth. You thought it was evil, but God made it for good to keep you alive so that Judah could be saved, so that Clarence could be saved. Without Judas, Judah, there's no Jesus. And without Jesus, there's no salvation. What a plan! Oh, you got to read your Bible looking for Jesus everywhere. Oh, my brothers and sisters, we might have been plunged into darkness by Adam and Eve. 
But oh, think about the glorious light of Jesus Christ that has shined upon us. And we don't even deserve it. We deserve to be wiped off of the map. We deserve to be dropped into the lowest pit in the darkest recesses, if you will, of God's judgment, his prison house, his everlasting prison house. But he's so merciful. He's so gracious. Oh, sin is so bad. He said, I got to come down and pay for it for myself. If you're going to live, I got to die. And hallelujah, he did. Oh, my friends, if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, I used to go into prison and tell folks this. I said, I'm an assurance agent. I said, I'm not an insurance agent. Don't get it twisted. We're going to keep it like the old folks, the young folks, 100. Listen, I'm not an insurance agent. I am an assurance agent. See, an insurance agent, you know, they settle on terms and you have to pay a premium. But an assurance agent, see, the terms have been settled and the premium have been made. I want Jesus to be yours. Can I sell him to you this morning? I'm an insurance agent. Can I sell him to you? Do you want him? You want him more than anything. You got to have him if you're going to get the glory. You got to have him if you're going to be forgiven of your sins. You got to have him and none but him. It's not Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus plus nothing, which equals everything. Oh, if you want him, you can have him come to the fount so rich and free. Cast your poor soul at the Savior's feet. Plunge in today and be made complete. Glory to his name. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stains. You can have him if you want him. Oh, embrace Jesus Christ as your all in all. And I could assure you, in the testimony of God's word, all will be well for time, and for eternity. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you again for this time together. Thank you for your word. It's so rich, it's so glorious, it's so lovely. Thank you for sending your Son on our behalf. Oh, our Father. Oh, we just don't realize sometimes how much we need Jesus. How much the fact that he's at your own right hand assures us that you will bring us to glory. We can meet you boldly. We can meet you boldly. We don't even deserve to be in your family, let alone to see you in glory. But God, you have so promised through your son. He stands as our representative. And God, we could come down boldly and cry, Abba, our gracious Father. And we thank you for these things. We love you so. Bless us indeed, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.